Sunday Dispatch. You're listening to the Sunday Dispatch on FBI Radio 94.5. My name's Lindsay Riley. Each episode, we take a closer look at news stories from around the world and at home, their social and political complexities, and often examine the way that they're covered in mainstream media. On the 7th of March, the United States military announced that a controversial fueling site at Red Hill, Hawaii, will be shut down following months of protests from the local community. They've been protesting because the site has been leaking fuel into the Hawaiian water supply for years, with little action or care being shown by the United States military personnel that occupy the island. To chat about their battle and what will happen next, we're joined by Kavina Ola Okala Kapa'oa, Hawaiian organizer and activist whom, among a broad coalition of Hawaiian organizations and groups, have been fighting for their right to water and their right to live. Kavina, thank you so much for joining us on the Sunday Dispatch. Thank you so much for having me. This crisis over the water supply on the island is one that's been unfolding and increasing ever since the discovery of fuel leakage at the Red Hill site back in 2014. It's feared now that Hawaii's water supply could be facing shortages never before seen in the history of the island. Kavina, how did it get to this point and what's the danger level facing the population on the island at the moment? Well, in short, the danger level is extreme. Uh, the Red Hill bulk fuel storage facility has been in operation for about 80 years. It was built just shortly after the Pearl Harbor attack in World War II. Uh, and they, these are massive fuel tanks that hold over 250 million gallons of jet fuel. Uh, and they are built just over 100 feet over our main drinking source aquifer. So just to give into perspective, these tanks are over 20 stories tall and 100 feet wide. These things are massive. Um, and there is, I've been inside the facility now, there has been, there's no physical barrier between the tanks and our water supply. There's actually a hole in the facility you can look down into the aquifer with and see the water washing up against the rocks. Um, and so the water, the threat to our water supply is extreme. It has been extreme since these tanks were built and now it's reached critical levels because over a, almost a hundred thousand people have had their water contaminated and it's possible that we all could, the entire island could be contaminated at this point. Uh, the aquifer that was contaminated provides 77% of our drinking water on the island of Oahu. It services an area. Uh, the three wells that have been shut down being the Halaba well, the Red Hill well, and the Aia well, they provide 77% of the water for the island, and they service an area of 400,000 people. Um, and what we're looking at now is a massive water shortage as we go into the hotter months. We expected it over the summer but it was just a few days ago announced that we were under mandatory water conservation. Uh, and just to put it perspe perspective for people, Hawaii is one of the wettest places on earth. We see among the highest levels of rainfall of anyone on earth. And this summer, when people turn on the tap, there will be nothing coming out of the water or coming out of the tap. That's how extreme this is. Many higher elevation communities, which are predominantly working class, predominantly poor communities, predominantly communities of color or indigenous communities, will turn on the tap and have absolutely nothing come out of it. Uh, which is a, it's a massive water crisis, which means people will be suffering. Uh, people who are already vulnerable, massive communities that are already vulnerable, will be at extreme risk of not having basic necessities to, to live. Um, and the Red Hill crisis is reaching kind of a breaking point here. Even with the announcement that they're going to shut down the facility, the U.S. Navy is giving themselves 14 months about to shut down the facility, which if we look at last year, it only took from the initial May leak to November for uh, 
uh, that fuel to end up in people's water and send 5,000 people into the hospital. Um, and so 14 months is too long. This, this facility needs to be shut down now before we suffer another catastrophic leak that could permanently poison our water, which is already um, one of the risks we are seeing with the uh, number of aquifers that have been shut down. I want to put things in a little bit of a historical perspective. The United States has a long history in Hawaii, having occupied the country since its military overthrew the Hawaiian government in 1893, I believe. Um, it's an occupation that's brought environmental, economic, and social destruction uh, to the island. Kavina, do you place this negligence by the U.S. military and also the current fightback by the people at the moment in the context of, I guess, a broader history of plunder and struggle between the United States and the Hawaiian people? Absolutely. Uh, none of what's happening would be possible without the initial overthrow and occupation of our country, which took place in 1893 and is ongoing to this day. The U.S. military is one of the largest land lo- landholders of all of Hawaii. On the island of Oahu alone, they hold 26% of the land. Uh, that's a massive portion of land anywhere, but especially on an island where we don't have a lot of it to go around. And almost every single U.S. military site is a Superfund site. So for those who don't know what that means, that means that a Superfund site is somewhere that the U.S. military has contaminated possibly beyond repair. It means that these are places where they've stored chemical weapons like mustard gas. It's places they've used depleted uranium rounds and the, the uranium settles into the soil. It's places where jet fuel has gotten into the water like what's happening with Red Hill. It's places that they've contaminated so much like Pearl Harbor that the fish that are, eat, are pulled from there can no longer be eaten. The reason Pearl Harbor is called Pearl Harbor is because this area was once a vital fishing ground for our people. And it's called Pearl Harbor because it had an abundance of pearl producing oysters that are now extinct due to US military pollution. Uh, And so all of these things would not be possible without U.S. military occupation. The U.S. military has used Hawaii as a site for imperialism and capital exploitation, uh, whether it's through the eviction of Hawaiians from our communities and land in order to turn that land into military bases, like they did with Mokapu, which became Kanuhi Marine Corps Base, Pearl Harbor, which is now what it is now, Makua Valley, which became a live fire military uh, training area, when they evicted an entire community from that valley and then bought, used their homes for target practice for bombers and fighters. Um, this is just an, it's been ongoing for 130 years now. And it's, not, it, it's beyond even just affecting our local indigenous population. It affects everyone here in Hawaii. And now with Red Hill, it even affects the military's own service members because a lot of the people that were poisoned were military personnel. But beyond that, even globally, Hawaii operates or is utilized and exploited by the U.S. military as a kind of a launching point for its imperialist campaigns. Um, we see the US military host military exercises like the RIMPAC exercises here every two years of which Australia takes part in uh, and other uh, governments around the world that have less than great uh, human rights records such as the Israeli IDF takes part in that and is trained by the US in the tactics of genocide and uh, ethnic cleansing which they use against the Palestinian people, the Indonesian military um, which is committing genocide in West Papua the Filipino, or the military of the Philippines rather, which is currently uh, being oppressive toward its own people and indigenous people within the Philippines like the Luman. Um, all of our land is utilized to train governments to do this, to test weapons and to, um, you know, to exploit people abroad. But then all of that starts with our exploitation here at home. And so yes, Red Hill is absolutely a part of this really long, unfortunately broad history that impacts not just Hawaiians, not just people of Hawaii, but people all over the world.
Mm, absolutely. As you said, the US military has seemed to use the Pacific as its playground for empire for decades, you know, with little care of the civilian or environmental impact. What's sort of the strategic purpose behind the US military's strong presence in the Pacific? Obviously, they have military bases across the entire world, but why such a strong and continued engagement in the Pacific, you know, to so brazenly cast aside any care for the people living there as well? We only need to look back at their statements of when they took Hawaii and when they initially started their incursions into the Pacific. When uh, the debate over the annexation of Hawaii was in U.S. Congress, President McKinley was quoted as saying that they needed Hawaii in order to get their piece of China. Um, the Pacific Islands have always been Americans' uh, idea of their possessions and their expansion of their ideas of manifest destiny and white supremacy and imperialism to get their piece of exploiting people in Asia, um, and, but also in the Pacific. Uh, we see that with how mil the military and tourism go hand in hand in Hawaii, but also in Guam and Samoa across the Pacific Islands, um, including in the, in, the, in the Micronesia, like the Marshall Islands and their nuclear testing. Um, but also just broadly, uh, the US military cannot project power into Asia without its bases here in Hawaii. And we see that currently as um, they use Hawaii as a staging point for uh, their incursions into uh, Vietnam back in, the, back in the 1970s, also into the Korean War. None of those imperialist wars would have been possible without Hawaii as a base. Um, and so beyond that, even, even in connection to this Red Hill issue, the reason the US military and local politicians were against closing Red Hill for decades was because they touted Red Hill as necessary to national security. And that's the constant line we've heard over and over and over is that we can't shut down Red Hill because we need it for national security. It's vital to the defense of the islands, which is not necessarily true. It's vital to American force protection and the use of Hawaii as human shields for the American mainland. Um, yeah, and so we continue to see that kind of ex expansionary politics uh, through Red Hill and through uh, the, U the American military's presence in the Pacific. I mean, we look at when um, the US bases moved out of Okinawa, even though there are still some there, when they moved a lot of the Marines out, they just moved them to Guam. Uh, and so now we're gonna see possibly uh, the expansion of US military presence in Australia uh, after they shut down Red Hill because the U.S. military is considering opening a new fuel facility in Darwin uh, due to the fact that they're going to face stiff resistance here in Hawaii and across the Pacific, uh, and they're hoping that their allies in Australia would just let them have that land. I mean, with recent rhetoric from the Australian government towards China, that seems like a pretty fair bet. To go back a bit and speak about the impact of military pollution on Hawaii's water supply, I'm wondering, Kavina, how will this impact Hawaii's self-sustainability? Absolutely. Uh, for some general background, the Hawaiian islands have been inhabited for thousands of years. Prior to European contact, uh, there was a population of about a million Hawaiians here, of which obviously we were able to, we were self-sustaining, which is about the same size of the population today, just give or take 400,000. Um, but we were self-sustaining. We were able to provide more than enough food for that population of over a million indigenous people here. We did it without modern agricultural methods. We did it with in, uh, sustainable agriculture without modern technology. Uh, and we were able to sustain a massive population uh, with, with uh, more food than we ever could need. And when the US military came in, we saw much of the destruction of our natural farmlands. And this is one of the reasons why Hawaiians have been fighting for 130 years for our independence, but also for demilitarization and for sustainable living because we rely so heavily on the land here. Um, so when the U.S. military came in and pivoted our economy to tourism, 
we saw the destruction of massive areas of sustainable farming uh, grounds, such as Waikiki and um, the windward side of Oahu and other parts of the islands were turned into tourist uh, areas uh, and stripped our ability to farm and feed ourselves. We now import over 90% of our food. And uh, obviously that means the cost of living has gone up significantly. Uh, and now if we have to start importing water, which we may very well have to, uh, it'll force more people off the land. And this is a, you know, this is a part of a long history of this. The US military is the largest polluter, one of the largest polluters on the planet, one of the largest contributors to climate change. Here in the Pacific, on Pacific Island, we are intensely vulnerable to sea level rise, to pollution, to the climate crisis. And the US military has done almost everything in their power to destroy our ability to self-sustain. A lot of the areas that are considered, you know, areas of, of sustenance and abundance were turned into military Superfund sites like Pearl Harbor. They buried mustard gas under the water there, under, under underneath the um, seabed there, which leaked up and poisoned the fish. And you couldn't pay me to eat a fish from Pearl Harbor anymore. Our largest farming areas, uh, like Kavai Nui on the windward side of this island, uh, they put uh, landfills and dumps right next to it that leaked mercury and lead into the water that made those areas and uh, fish farms unsustainable and unusable. Red Hill, we're seeing it again. Um, one of the things that people need to understand about these aquifers, it's not, it's, um, not just a place where modern uh, society pulls its water from. A lot of our streams and rivers are fed by springs that come out of these aquifers. And so if these aquifers are contaminated, it means that literal oil could start springing up through the ground and running into the ocean, um, which would be quite a sight if you can imagine a river just turning black and running with oil. Um, it's pretty horrifying. It seems pretty dystopian, but that's the reality we're facing now because there is literal oil in our water. Um, and so this is, a, you know, this is just the endless history of the, or not the endless, but sorry, the 130-year uh, history of the U.S. military here in Hawaii. Uh, and the longer it goes on, the more and more and more sustainable uh, living chances we have destroyed, the more natural resources we will see destroyed, the more ability we have to pivot ourselves away from climate crisis will be destroyed. And um, the longer the U.S. military persists here in the Hawaii and in also in the Pacific Islands, uh, the more we'll see reliance built upon them and their corporations and their capital infrastructure. It's a dangerous situation, but... Kavina, the Hawaiian people have had a victory in recent weeks. Um, the U.S. government announced that the Red Hill site will be shut down within 12 months. In the um, in the scant coverage that I tried to find um, from any U.S. news media, the incredible and passionate resistance shown by what's uh, really an incredibly broad coalition, um, patchwork of Hawaiian civilians, civil society, activist groups, uh, really got no mention, you know. Uh, instead, the Red Hill closing seemed to just be cast as something the U.S. military just decided to do for no reason, really. Um, so, so I want to bring the spotlight back onto you guys. How did you achieve this victory? Who are the groups? Who are the people involved? What were the strategies and tactics used? How did you make it happen? Absolutely, uh, and I think the erasure of the community's involvement of this is somewhat uh, important because. Uh, a lot of times, major news in Hawaii doesn't get covered outside of Hawaii. The largest march, uh, protest march in Hawaiian history got zero international or national coverage in the broader United States media. Um, but here with Red Hill, um, you saw when the spokesperson for Secretary Austin made the announcement uh, to a room full of journalists from CNN, The Washington Post, New York Times, not a single one of them asked any questions. They immediately started asking about Ukraine. Um, and this is, you know, this is kind of the normal erasure. So when you think about what, to, what, ha what had to happen in order to force the largest military on the planet, 
the largest empire on the face of the planet to give up a, um, a base, basically what this is, it means there was a massive grassroots campaign to force them out. This was not just um, the US military coming to its senses and deciding, oh, we're poisoning our own people, we need to stop this. They fought and lied for months and months. Um, initially, the US military denied that there was even a leak, that there was even a possibility of the fuel contamination of the water coming from them. Um, and so what really took place here was a unification that we have possibly never seen in the history of Hawaii since the occupation began. Because the Hawaiians, we've been fighting since the day the Americans landed on our shores. But this, doesn't, uh, this wasn't just the work of some fringe group radicals. This was every single person um, in multiple communities coming out and standing together. This was military families, military spouses who had their children poisoned, put into the hospital, who had to put down their pets, who may have lifelong health effects from this. Um, coming together to protest their literal employer. Um, and so when you look at what, did, what this took, it meant massive pressure campaigns. It meant protesting outside of US military base. We, um, base, we had a, a large protest outside of the, uh, the gate of Pearl Harbor, which sent the entire base into lockdown. That got almost no international coverage. Um, you know, they, they locked down the, their entire base. They closed the gate. They put up barricades. Um, we saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of testimony at the local government, federal government. We saw massive protests. We saw um, the US military being forced to the negotiating table by a broad coalition, whether it was from Oahu Water Protectors, which was a large group of um, activists, community members, and affected families who came together to uh, fight this, whether it was from Ko'ohewai, which is a community coalition of the Hawaiian uh, community and institutions, uh, you saw it with lawsuits filed by the Sierra Club and Viola Alliance, and you saw it from um, government groups or government agencies such as the Board of Water Supply, which is the municipal water authority for the island of Oahu, from the Department of Health, uh, and even state and, uh, and uh, congressional officials. Uh, so this was a massive campaign, but keep in mind that you know, all of this upper level pressure that came from government groups wasn't possible without community groups doing the decades long work of the groundwork and getting out in the community and informing people because we weren't aware of the existence of these tanks until 1995 and they were forcibly declassified. Um, the feds came in and forced the military to alert people to what was going on. Uh, and we weren't aware of any leaks until 2014. And then in this last December, it came out in a lawsuit, the military hid 72 leaks over the lifetime of this facility. Uh, 72 leaks in an 80 year lifespan. So almost a leap a year. Um, and so, you know, when this, this kind of information comes out, communities fight back and we've been fighting back for years. Um, obviously we don't actually have it back in our possession yet, but we will. Uh, they've trying to give themselves 12 months, but this coordinated coalition is continuing to keep up the pressure because we won't want to risk a single uh, one more day where we can have our water further contaminated or poisoned. Incredible. Yeah. Celebrating wins is important, of course, but also as you emphasize, um, there's still so much more fight to be had. This isn't over. So Kavina, what happens next and what more are the Hawaiian people demanding from the US government and military and how are you going to win? We're going to win the same way we got them to announce they're shutting down the facility. Um, but basically what happens next is the U.S. military has decided that they want to ignore a lawful order that was given to them by the state of Hawaii. They were ordered to provide a plan to defuel the facility by February 2nd. Uh, I guess they seem to have missed that memo because they did not provide a plan by that time. And in their announcement of the permanent shutdown of the facility, they announced they would have a plan by May 31st and then would give themselves a full 12 months after that to shut down the facility. 
Um, I've been in the facility myself. I've seen the damage this thing has done. I've seen the way this facility is falling apart at the seams. Um, and, you know, it, it's 12 months is too long. And so the, you know, what comes next is we fight to make sure they defeal this not in 12 months, but as soon as possible. It means making sure that they come up with this plan they were meant to have immediately. And it means disclosing all of the information they are now trying to hide from the public. Just days after, uh, sorry, just a day after the announcement of the shutdown, the US military announced that they were going to stop providing documents regarding the technicalities and, and issues with the facility to the public and to the state government because they felt they no longer had to provide it because they were shutting it down. And there was no need to provide that information anymore, despite the fact that 100,000, over 100,000 people have had their water poisoned and 500,000 people ended up in the ER. Um, so the fight continues to shut down this facility as soon as possible, but also uh, we're facing a major water crisis this summer. And so the US military needs to one, um, get their water somewhere else. Uh, they are one of the largest water users on the island of Oahu. Uh, and they have no wells that they are able to utilize except for one at the moment. And they are asking the civilian Board of Water Supply for access to our clean aquifers or our wells to feed their supply, um, which are already strained. They need to have their water use permit revoked by the Commission of Water Resource Management to ensure that they can no longer put at risk or strain our water resources any further. So that's something else we're working on. And also they need to pay to clean up the water. Uh, they have one of the largest budgets of any entity on the face of the planet. It is absolutely ridiculous that they would think that they can just walk away with it from this without burden, uh, paying for the price tag of cleaning up 400,000 people's water, um, which they could have permanently contaminated for the rest of our human existence on this planet. Uh, so they need to clean that up, but also they need to reimburse the families who are affected for their hotel stays because they couldn't safely live in their homes. They need to re um, reimburse the civilian families who are not able to leave their homes and actually had their landlords raise their rent while they were unable to drink their own water. And they need to pay for the medical costs of these families. In addition to this, they need to pay to um, remediate and fix every pipe that has fuel contamination in it because these pipes are not, you can't just spray this down. You can't just power wash it. There is jet fuel in these pipes. And so long as there's water running through it, fuel particles will be going into people's homes and into their bodies. Uh, so they basically, what needs to happen is rip up every single piece of pipe uh, that fuel ran through so that it can be replaced with clean pipes um, to allow people to not, you know, fear for their health and safety again. Um, obviously, these are huge tasks to undertake, but given the fact that we were able to beat the U.S. military in four months and force them to give back this massive facility that they claimed was an engineering marvel, I have full faith in our broad community coalition that we're going to be able to get everything we demand and more uh, because the U.S. military has no option. Um, there's no alternative to clean water. As far as I'm aware, the US military has not found a way to drink jet fuel. Uh, so they need to drink it the water too. And uh, so long as this issue persists, there will be people on the ground here fighting. We've been chatting to Kavina Olaokala Kapahua about the Hawaiian people's incredible continued resistance against US military occupation and their victory in forcing the shutdown of a fueling station that has been polluting and poisoning their drinking water. Kavina, thank you so much for coming on the Sunday Dispatch this morning. Where is the best place for listeners to follow what's happening on the ground on the island and perhaps give their support? You can follow uh, community groups such as Sierra Club Hawaii or Oahu Water Protectors on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and you can tune in there for the latest updates, calls to action that you may be able to support from abroad and um, what's going on on the ground and how you can further support the <laughs> propagation of clean water for all. 
fantastic. I'll put links to all of those up on the programs page. Thank you again, Kavina, and best of luck with your fight. Thank you so much for having me. Can I see?